BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. We're back for another World Cup show and on this edition we're going to be reacting, what, 20 minutes after the final whistle, uh, following England's very drab, disappointing and dull draw against the USA. We're going to be reacting to Wales uh, crashing and burning and being beaten by a, a brilliant Iran side on the day. We'll also be talking about the competition so far and taking some of your thoughts and questions from the live chat box. And joining me to do so are, uh, first up, a very happy Iranian, uh, Mr. Simon Alavi. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> For the benefit of our listeners, he is I'm holding good. up an Iranian flag. <laughs> that is the the Shamshir flag of the time of the Shah. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm ecstatic. He's had worse days. Uh, also joining us day. is uh, Mr. Dan DeLuca, also sporting an Iran shirt. I mean, you guys have been wearing the same Iranian shirts for about a week now. Do you ever change your clothes or? Sleeping it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to wear it. I'm going to wear it until, until Iran are eliminated. <laughs> well, the finals on the um, 18th of December, so... It, yeah. in, interestingly, today I, I, I live in Wales, so wearing it around, <laughs> uh, wearing it around Cumbrian Town today was um, was bold. Um, some may say unnecessary, but I enjoyed it. So. <laughs> brave man, brave man. All right, look, we got lots and lots to get into, but I got to start off uh, by apologising for the fact that there haven't been. Uh, any World Cup shows over the past couple of days. I know I said I was going to do them. Uh, just had a few bits going on um, at home and, and wasn't able to do them. And by the time I got to the point where I had some time, you know, when you're just not feeling it and you know you're going to do a shit job of it, I'd rather just steer clear. Um, so uh, bad on me for uh, slacking on my commitment uh, to, of course, our listeners. But uh, hopefully we're going to get back into gear now and what better way to kind of reconvene. Then reacting to an England match from which I'm sure there's going to be a lot said uh, in the aftermath. There's going to be a lot of uh, sort of, you know, reaction. There's going to be a lot of discussion around Gareth Southgate again uh, because of the way England performed on the night. Um, I mean, Alavi, my initial thought and kind of initial comment to, to sort of throw out here to spark that discussion is that's two hours of my life that I'm never going to get back. <laughs> um, 
I'll try and provide a I'll try and provide a balanced view. So I'll give some credit to England. That is a game for me that in previous tournaments they would have potentially lost. Um and 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 I say that because I think that America are a very good side, which is worrying for me as an Iranian on Tuesday. They are they almost they almost match England in the sense that they're quite frenetic. They're they're strong, they're powerful, they're organized. Um and that's how they play. And that's why I think the game ended up nil-nil. It could have been easily been, say, one-one, because they almost cancel each other out to a degree. So I'll give England credit that A, they could have easily lost at many points. Um, and and they didn't. And B, that actually a lot of the top sides, and England are probably, you know, a top a top eight side, say, a lot of the top sides will have the odd group game that they don't they don't impress. We've seen that, you know, I don't think Belgium looked great the other night. Obviously, Argentina have already lost. Um, so it's very sometimes it's very hard to distinguish whether a team has played badly or they were just up against quite good opposition. And then look at someone like um, uh, Eunice Munzer, right? Very interesting player, great player. And he's only 19. And I don't remember America producing players like that. So I don't think a draw is the worst result. They're still going to top the group they're going to beat Wales um on today's evidence the worrying side for me um and I'm not an England fan but if I were an England fan would be I still cannot see them ever beating for a very long time a top side at a World Cup the last very good side you could argue they beat was so so long ago I can't even remember you know Germany in the Euro 2020 were probably the last big nation they beat at a big tournament, right? And that was what the worst German side of our lifetime. And I'd say my last point on it is, and I still can't, and I've said this for years, and and you know, your dad said it, my dad said it, like, how many times are they gonna have a player like Foden that is just not culturally appreciated in this country? And and the reason I said your dad and my dad is because they used to say it about Hoddle, right? Exactly the same situation. I never saw Hoddle, but from what I've seen. Um, you could argue that is very that that gifted player that England just don't. I just I just think it's a cultural thing in football they don't appreciate it. Letizia, okay, they were great strikers at that time, so maybe that's a bit, a bit disingenuous. Paul Scholes, you know, he's the one shifted them left, and now it's Foden. I remember we did a pod a couple of uh, years ago where that you two may have been Grealish at the time, which you might retract, but I went Foden as the most exciting English player, and it's just like you see Henderson coming on, and you think. That is their. That is honestly their mentality, and it's not. It's just ingrained in them. They don't. That's just the the, the sort of player they don't appreciate. Any other side would build a player around Foden, to and I'll give De Luca some credit here to give Harry Kane as a world class ish striker the the service. <laughs> so it it just astounds me, which is why I can never see them beating a France or an Argentina or a or Brazil or Spain. But, you know, I might be wrong, but not on tonight's evidence. Well, when the final whistle went, I was quickly looking around, you know, where's Harry Kane? But then I realised that Tim Ream hadn't emptied his pockets yet. So obviously I wasn't going to see Harry Kane at this point. But I mean, Dan, I think generally, I think that Alavi's been quite kind to England. I, I don't really have an issue with England 
underperforming in the odd game here and there. Ultimately, as Alavi says, they didn't lose it. They're still in the driving seat in this group. But it just kind of, re- it, 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 the issues that we've seen over the last few years that have ultimately stopped England from going over that final hurdle and getting all the way to, you know, glory, essentially, those issues have resurfaced again. The lack of creativity and inability to control football matches. And I think America were good. And, and we've got a lot of American listeners, a lot of whom are in the chat right now. And we'll talk about the USA in a minute. But I don't think that the USA were, had enough of a punch, if you like. They were a bit like, you know, to use a boxing analogy, Alavi, they were one of those boxers that, you know, looks great sort of defensively. And, yeah, but they're not going to knock jabs, you out. But yeah, they're not going to knock you out. They're not yeah, going to... They'll control they it and win it on points. And yeah, they have... They don't yeah. have that killer punch. They don't have a number nine, for example, that is going to, you know, pop up and, and find that goal that ultimately decides the game. I I think USA are great. I think they deserve a lot of credit. We'll talk about them, as I said, in a minute. But DeLuca, for me, I think the frustration watching England and for a lot of England fans will be that these problems, we've seen them before and we still don't see Gareth Southgate doing anything dramatically different to resolve those issues. Yeah, I mean... He- are you asking me to analyse England on today's performance? Are you asking me to analyse you're, you're England? Buzzing, on their... You're buzzing, Deluca. You're buzzing. Look, Drop out. Carry on then. Drop back in. Alavi, I mean, what what can he do? Because, you know, you mentioned Foden. That's that's one thing, right? That That's the obvious thing. But And you also referenced the fact that he brought on Jordan Henderson. That said to me, the fact that he brought Jordan Henderson on ahead of, you know, one of those sort of more creative players... Um, as the first change in the first substitution, said to me that Gareth Southgate's thought process was, we're not playing very well. We're struggling here. I need to consolidate rather than be expansive and try and go out and win the game. But in tournament football, is that always a bad thing? Am I being a little bit harsh on him? The reason it's a bad thing is because when you then go up in a quarter final or semi-final against the top team, is you don't have, and we've seen this before, you don't have many options. So what England would do is if they get an early goal, say like they did against Italy, they don't have that creativity to hold the ball, to keep control of the ball and to eventually not let, let in an equaliser. And that's ultimately their, what they're undoing will be. I think there's essentially with England, there's weaknesses in the, in the defence that are obvious, that are covered up by the fact that they do have an array of attacking players. But those attacking players that they have are still very much of one ilk. You're Sterling, you're Saka, they play in the same way. They don't just they just don't have an admiration or a, uh, I don't know what it is, but they just don't rate someone like Foden. And I think, mate, I don't know, is it his lack of strength? Is it his lack of, do they worry that, are they always have they always got that conservative mentality that they're worried that um, someone like Henderson makes sure that they don't lose the game, whereas Foden gives you a chance of winning it, but you take the risk of losing it. And I think that's what it comes so, down to. So the men's hopefully hopefully the buzzing's gone now. So the mentality comes down to the manager. We know Southgate plays in that way. We know Jose Mourinho plays in a certain way. We know that Antonio Conte plays in a certain way. And we know that Sam Allardyce plays in a certain way. So what I don't get with England fans is the banging on about that after every game. Ultimately, you analyse England now in three possible ways. Tonight's performance, 
their position in the group or their potential to win the whole World Cup. And you have a decision to make right now as to how you want to do that. If I'm an England fan now, I'd go to bed and I'd say, well, we're top of the group. We got out a tricky encounter. Um, that's great. If you ask me to analyse England in terms of can they win the World Cup, will they win the World Cup? Um, I wouldn't normally overreact over one performance that was quite drab, but there are some issues there in the attacking four, and they are the same issues that England experienced at Euro 2020 in 2021. And the issue is this. The selection of the players in that front four is wrong, in my opinion. Um, I said it on the first pod of this series before the World Cup started. England are sacrificing players to accommodate in Raheem Sterling. That is wrong. Raheem Sterling is an ineffective, terrible and not an international footballer at the top level anymore. That's facts. People might want to argue with me about that. I'll happily have a conversation with anyone who wants to argue that point. Raheem Sterling is not an international footballer at a top nation. He shouldn't be on the pitch. He should just about be on the squad. You should be bringing him, up, bringing him on at the end to try and change the game, not starting him at the beginning to ruin it. That's one. Mason Mount isn't good enough. Saka is good. He's fresh. He's playing well. I thought Saka played well tonight. Harry Kane is obviously head and shoulders above the other three um, put together. And the issue you've got is with a lack of creativity. And Southgate is asking the team to play this way. Harry Kane inevitably drops back. Everything comes through Harry Kane. Harry Kane can't pass to himself. So inevitably, you have Harry Kane who passes to Saka. Saka's then isolated. Harry Kane may burst back into the box. But, but when you watched Iran attack this morning, there was a front four attacking in tandem. Four players involved in the same move. In England, it's two of the four players attacking. It's very easy to snuff out. You can surround Kane. You can surround Saka. You saw Grealish at the end when he came on. It was an effective substitution. He held the ball well. Um, but he was surrounded by... a few by free kicks, didn't he? Yeah, but what I'm saying is when England attack, they attack as two players in an attack as opposed to four, five players that the other top nations, like Brazil, when they went forward last night, they looked frightening. France, the same. And that's England's issue. That's the conservativity for me. A lot of people focus on the two defensive midfielders. I'm not worried about that. If he wants to play two defensive midfielders, let him. He doesn't want to concede goals. He didn't concede a goal tonight. They haven't lost the top of the group. But to win this tournament, he has to work out how to attack properly. Because England do not attack properly. You made a boxing analogy a minute ago. It's like, you know, they're looking for a one-punch knockout instead of combinations. You know? How about you have Foden picking up the ball, running through the middle with Grealish on the left, Saka on the right, and Kane through the middle. I've got three options. How are you going to defend against that? And England become easy to defend against. The biggest threat in the English English team. I know you made a joke about Timmering. Kane was probably England's most effective player again on the night. And that's with one ankle hobbling around. And the problem is there is an over-reliance on Harry Kane to do something. And it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Harry Kane has never been the sort of player to pick the ball up from 30 yards, run past six players and score. He's not going to do that for you. He will do other stuff, but you need to work out how to do that. You need to build the team around him and Phil Foden. I understand why you didn't bring Phil Foden on tonight, by the way. Um, I don't understand why he's not starting him, but that's another issue. Um, a lot of England fans I've seen are picking on Gareth Southgate for the substitutions. Actually, I think the substitutions he made were, were probably correct. Um before the substitutions, it was a stream of USA attacks, wasn't it? And you're sitting there thinking, USA are going to win this game. Actually, from the moment the subs were made, England took control of the game again, and USA were nullified as a threat. Um, what he didn't do was roll the dice and gamble to win. But if you're an England fan, you're expecting that from Gareth Southgate in a group stage. You're always going to be disappointed. 
So forget that, look at it pragmatically. Um, England have a decent team. They have two world-class players. One of those doesn't play, which is ridiculous. They have three or four very good supporting players who are, who are young, um, which is unfortunate, but there's benefits to that because of the, you know, some young players are raw, like Saka and Bellingham. Um, but unless they work out how to attack with killer instinct, they are going to come unstuck. And this Raheem Sterling love affair has to end now before he costs England a second consecutive tournament. Because that's how serious this is. And I know there's going to be people in the chat thinking I'm an idiot. I don't care because I'm right. I would, I would be... I get Dan's point about the two central midfielders. I don't think it's as big a deal because for once one of them can get on the ball. Whereas last time, Calvin Phillips couldn't. The issue I actually think is... Ecuador, and maybe we'll touch on it later, Ecuador are a little bit better than I thought, okay? <laughs> and they look like they're going to finish second, only by virtue of um, Holland likely to, uh, you know, absolutely annihilate um, the worst uh, team Qatar. in the tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you could argue that England could be playing Holland in the next game. Unfortunately, like the mighty Iran will be playing Holland in the next game. But if you look at England's potential route, Ecuador is not a foregone conclusion. And if they did beat Ecuador, which you probably bet they would just, you're looking at the winner of France and potentially Argentina, right? So on the basis of tonight's performance, they are they are not going past the quarters, which is what my prediction has been from day one. Um, I still stick to Brazil as the eventual winners and I still stick to England going out in the quarters. But tactically, what has to change? So, you know, a, the game against Iran... You, you can't just bring on Foden and be like, oh, no, tactically, because <clears throat> there's still a massive gap where, where your those poor centre-backs will be exposed. I think as well, the other, the other thing you've got to remember is that, look, Iran were, were good today and we're going to come on to talk about that. But in that game against England, they were they were awful. In large periods, they were awful. At times, it was kamikaze football. At times, you know, they were leaving massive holes in the midfield and... And it allowed the likes of Jude Bellingham to get further forward and to influence the game in that way. I don't want to dig him out because he's a young player and he's he's on his path and he's he's been brilliant so far. But Jude Bellingham was completely irrelevant tonight, wasn't he? He was anonymous because the USA's midfield was able to, to close people down, to make it difficult for people. Nobody had time on the ball. Nobody could make those runs sort of beyond the midfield line up to to support the forward without the fear of what the USA had behind them. You know, and, and I've been a critic of of Tyler Adams and, and Weston McKenney. They're players that I've looked at in the past when they've been linked with Arsenal. And I've said, not really interested in either of them, to be honest. I haven't gone as far as, you know, becoming massive fans of those two players, but I thought they did a really good job, um, along with Musa as well in midfield, of, of nullifying any threat that Jude Bellingham could have brought to the table. So, it goes to show that even though we're saying, yeah, in Bellingham, they've got a player that can get on the ball and that can get forward. Actually, if a team defends properly, it's still really easy to, to limit this England team to very, very little. And this, yeah, this, this is... I hope this they is, beat Wales or draw with Wales, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they will beat Wales and they will draw. They will beat Wales. They'll get something off of Wales. I'm mm. not worried about that. Again, it's, it's easy to overreact. In the end, at the end of the day, it's tournament football. All the big nations will have a bad game out of three, pretty much. Maybe maybe one won't, and they'll look really, really good. 
it's not a problem. I'm more looking at it tactically, and I'm looking at the last two tournaments, and I see the same issues. The same issues is you can't have... You've got two... England have got two world-class players. Whether people want to joke about it or not is up to them. They've got Harry Kane, they've got Phil Foden. They are their two world-class players. One sits on the bench, and one has to play four positions. It is, it's an, you cannot operate like that long-term. And I wouldn't say they fell short of the Euros because they got to the final. Um, you know, you could say they're overachieved. The draw opened up nicely for them. The last World Cup, the draw opened up nicely for them. The draw will not up, will not open up nicely for England all the time. Exactly, exactly. Eventually, after this generation of players may not be as good individually as the previous generations, but as a team, it looked three or four years ago that they had a bit to build on. I don't see any building now. Now yeah. I see... Now I see individual players again. I see individual attacks. Um, and I see players in the team who shouldn't be in the team. And ultimately, I, I, just, don't, I just don't see how, like Aladdy said, how they are going to do this, how they're going to get through this World Cup and navigate their way to the last four, where you'll need a little bit of luck. Then you might need to win a penalty shootout or it's a close game and all that sort of stuff. Um, but how are they going to navigate their way through this unless they sort out this attacking form? It's just it's a simple, it's as simple as that. You have to sort out the attacking form. Even for USA's good spells, USA didn't create anything in this game today. They hit the bar with that chance, but they didn't really create much, and they didn't really create an awful lot against Wales either. They are a solid side. You know, they, They're better than I expect them to be. They're nothing special. Where England have, have lost this game, lost these two points... And lost a bit of belief in some of the supporters just just reading social media is the inability to carve out attacks that make you think, "Oh, we're going to score now." You know that's what fans want when they watch football. You want to you want to pick the ball up and think, "Yeah, there's a goal in this for us." And I didn't feel that England were going to score tonight. No, me neither. Um, let me uh, let me attack some of the comments. Uh, big hello to everybody who's with us live at the moment, and to those. Uh, who will be watching or listening to this back uh, a little bit later on. A uh, big hello to uh, Trevor, uh, to Wesley, who says, uh, Evening, Harry, from the West Coast, uh, USA. Alejandro joins us from Brooklyn, uh, New York. Big hello to Wandering Minstrel, who says, uh, Greetings, gents, a real non-event for England. Uh, absolutely. Chase has got a really good USA-based question that we'll come back to uh, in a minute. Uh, what else have we got here? Uh, Trevor says that England are very one-dimensional. Talks about the conservative managers as well. Um, Ham agrees with uh, DDL, who says uh, Sterling is good enough, but he's only really effective when the whole team is ticking. Not the sort of player to grab the game by the scruff of the neck. Ray agrees with me on the Duke Bellingham point uh, that he struggled uh, just a little bit to have the influence that he did, uh, of course, against Iran. Uh, what else have we got here? Um, our lack of a permanent second striker uh, really harms us. He just picks whoever's in form at the time. So you end up with a random striker, for example, Wilson, who's barely played with the other players. I, I don't really want to put anything on Wilson because the guy didn't play. Uh, and I actually think he he's a good player to take along as long as he's fit. So um, I slightly disagree there. But let's, let's talk USA um, because Chase, one of our US-based fans, uh, says, what's your perception of this American team? It seems like they're just a nine away from being a legitimate squad. Um, Alavi, I kind of alluded to that a little bit earlier on, that I think that everything else works quite well. 
Um, but they are missing that little bit of quality in the final third. Because as Dan alluded to just a second ago, you know, yeah, they had a lot of the play. They had more of the ball at times than people expected. And there were some good moments on the transition, especially. But they didn't really work Jordan Pickford, did they? There's still something missing. Yeah, I mean, don't forget, this is still a, a side that drew with Wales. So for all for all their tenacity and their strength and their speed that I alluded to earlier, I feel that, and I'm probably going to regret this come Wednesday morning, but I feel that they can't do what, I, don't, I won't say it wrong, cause it's, but, but they can't do what, say, we saw Brazil or Portugal do yesterday, which is get three or four men forward on the go and break down the team. I also, I also just feel that they have a the two players that they have for me that are standouts probably aren't at the peak of their careers yet. However, given that they're a nation that probably doesn't even have what they call soccer as one of their um, biggest sports, both the both the male and the female sides of the last few years have done really well. So you have to give them credit. I'm not saying they haven't had a load of money invested in them. Of course they have. But you have to give them credit. They've also scored one goal in two games. So there is a caveat to that as well. Um, but I think American football in general, you all know from your listeners throughout the year, Harry, American football in general is just getting bigger. It's going from strength to strength. And obviously that is showing in their, their national team. Um, I hope it doesn't show too much on on Tuesday. What I think will be interesting is that they need to actually go and, well, they need to go and win that game bar something um, very unlikely happening in the Wales-England game. So it'll be interesting to know how they'll play on Tuesday. The other thing that I don't know if people know, but obviously I was, you know, religiously sort of looking at um, how Iran and uh, Wales and um America did. America didn't qualify brilliantly for this World Cup. I'm not saying a lot of teams did, but they really didn't qualify brilliantly for this, for this World Cup. If you have a look, I can't. But I think it was they may have just gone through. You know, it was very, very, very marginal. Hopefully, one of American listeners will um, correct me if if I've got that wrong. But I don't think they breezed it by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but you know what? It was between, I think the bookies had them to go through a second. So they must have known something. Um, but yeah, I, do you know what? Overall, they were the better side for 70%, would you say? 80% of the first game against Wales. They were probably the better side tonight as well. So credit where it's due. I think the exciting thing as well for, for USA fans is that this is a really young team in the most part. That's what I mean. Like, what's the, the kid I mentioned yeah. earlier? What is he? Nine, the, I thought Arsenal. Nineteen. He was. He was at Arsenal. He was, was at he? Arsenal. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Was he right? He was. At He's Arsenal, not twenty yeah. yet, is he? No. No. I just told you. So, oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, so, you know, that's what I mean about they. They could reach their peak um, in probably by the next World Cup, which is ironically um, going to be staged there as well. So. Yeah, I think are, I think they've got a reason fans. to be excited going into the yeah. next World well, Cup because that USA squad, for, yeah, and and as you say, a lot of that squad is is still young, it's still developing, just a little bit rough around the edges in in certain places. Um, 
got to quickly touch on on Matt Turner, the goalkeeper, Arsenal goalkeeper, obviously. Uh, he's played four times for the Gunners now. And he's a goalkeeper that I think among Arsenal fans has, has divided opinion. A lot of people look at him and think that he's he's not a good enough deputy to Aaron Ramsdale. I think outside of when he's got the ball at his feet, I think he's he's a decent deputy. I think he was really composed a lot of the time tonight. He came out on court crosses when they came into the penalty area. And he's one of those goalkeepers, one of those old school goalkeepers, I think, that makes his back four feel quite safe. But I thought, and I don't know if you agree with this, Dan, there are a couple of moments where he had the ball at his feet where he looked uncomfortable. And I think the way that Arsenal want to play and the way that Mikel Arteta relies on the goalkeeper to be almost an additional centre-back at times and at times break the lines into the midfield, I just I still think there's a drop-off in that side of his game in comparison to, to Aaron Ramsdale. Yeah, I agree with that. And I remember when Arsenal signed Aaron Ramsdale, Arsenal fans were a bit confused. I was a bit confused, but very quickly you saw why. And actually, he made um, he made some really big saves quickly with his hands, which ultimately should be a goalkeeper's goalkeeper's first <laughs> first port of call, shouldn't it? But yeah, in terms of the the modern Premier League goalkeeper, he doesn't seem to have those ball playing skills. But you know, he's a he's a deputy, he's a cup keeper, isn't he? Obviously, yeah. Touch wood, you don't see many long term injuries to goalkeepers, really. Um, so. It'd be interesting if he did have to have a run of games because something should happen to Aaron Ramsdale or, I don't know, he got sent off and banned for three games or whatever and he had to play, you know, three to six games or whatever like that. Whether, you know, Arsenal change their style for those games. But, you know, I didn't see anything that concerned me. Do you, do you know what I mean? A bit jittery, mm. but I didn't see him... Um, you know, if you want to see a bad goalkeeper... Made one, well, you made one great save, I thought. Was it you, look at Hugo, you look at Hugo Lloris. He kicks the ball off the pitch. He can't physically can't kick. I didn't see anything that bad that would concern me. So, But yeah, he's obviously... You know, he's a deputy goalkeeper for a reason, isn't he? Yeah. Um, and, and that's the, the bottom line, isn't it? I but, had... Uh, I put a tweet out, right, on the full-time whistle. I said, where is it? Matt Turner is clearly nowhere near as comfortable with the ball at his feet as Aaron Ramsdale... But we already knew that. Thought he did everything else, however, brilliantly. And I've had loads of people, kind of like loads of Arsenal fans on Twitter, reacting and saying, no, he was great with the ball at his feet. No, his, look at his pass completion rate. When did he give the ball away? That's not the point I'm making. You can look at someone and see that they are doing something that is outside of their comfort zone. He's trying, and I think he's trying to add that to his game. And I think it's a very different role now at Arsenal than it was at his previous club and I think what you're seeing is when he's gone into the US team where they've clearly enjoy playing out from the back as well and look to do that yeah. that it is something that he just looks a little bit uncomfortable in I'm not saying he's bad and he's terrible and so you know, I'll he support be... you with this though because yeah, some stats are thrown out there for no apparent reason some stats are relevant and some stats are not relevant a pass mm. completion rate of a goalkeeper should be 100% there is no excuse for a goalkeeper not to make a pass. Not a single one. Short passes, think... at least. Yeah. That, no, but, no, but yeah. Danny, if that doesn't include forward, when... You, that I'll doesn't be, include... Yeah, but the long-term balls are included in those pass completions. Yeah, but I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be worrying about that sort of stuff. Like, okay. a goalkeeper should be able to control a ball. Anyone should be able to control a ball and pass it 10 yards to a defender. So people throwing stats like that in argument are... I, I don't really, I don't really understand that sort of stuff. Sometimes stats are wheeled out to sort of defend things for no apparent reason. The fact is, he's an able deputy, and he's not as good as Aaron Ramsdale. Clearly, um, I've seen him play 
a handful of times. He did what he needed to do tonight. A lot of the times, you know, he'd done things that I would expect him to do, but he still did them well. And, you know, if we're talking about Arsenal as a deputy goalkeeper, I saw nothing there that would overly concern me if he had to play a couple of football matches, apart yeah. from what you mentioned, which is which is the style. I think, I do think sometimes, reading through some of the comments before, and I do feel sometimes when people analyse England performance particularly, performances particularly, they, they kind of say the obvious thing that they, they, they kind of feel they need to say. And I wonder if they've actually watched the game or they, do you know what I mean? If you actually watch the football match to, to understand what's happened. Because in reality, England did what they needed to do. They restricted the other team to a handful of chances. Yeah, they didn't create stuff. Understand that. But, you know, it's not all doom it's not all doom and gloom on this performance. I think people are going to town on this particular performance. Whereas my concern would be the tournament as a whole and whether yeah. they've got what it whether they've got what it takes. I'm kind of looking at that and saying, England have qualified from the group. So I'm now looking ahead. But a lot of people are sticking a knife in on this particular performance, which was just because something isn't good doesn't mean it's bad is what I'm trying to say. It was just a very meh, let's play 90 minutes and get off the pitch. We're not playing that well. But I think, you know. Dan, I think that's the nature of World Cup and tournament football. Like, of course and, it is. And you, and you were right when you were trying to cheer me up on Monday. You were like, they just, it's a bad day at the office. The floodgates were open and actually played against one of the best sides of the tournament. And they just lost their confidence, but actually there was some, there's a goal in them and they're all right going for it. I'm talking about Iran now, but what I'm trying to say is on effect, it's not always, you know, Argentina can still go on top of their group. Like, yeah, it's not, it's very, it's not like a, a league, uh, Harry, or a, even a, a champions league. We have so many more games that you're able to more accurately re- reflect what a true, um, the, what the true standard of a football team is. You, you have one, two, three games to quickly make a judgment. And it's very, very hard to distinguish between yeah. actually which team played well and which team just had an off day. The other thing as well with, with tournament football like this is sometimes we've seen teams, you know, peak really early, blow people out of the water and come the knockout stages, they've hit a brick wall. Um, and that's that's important to note as well. Um, just wrapping up on England-USA, um, fair play to, to USA. I've got to say, because, I mean, I, listen, I'm not, I'm not an England fan, you know, but I get a lot of heat because of that. Uh, but the truth is that I spoke to so many England fans in the build-up to this game. I've done podcasts, radio shows with England fans in the build-up to this game who were adamant that England were going to absolutely batter the USA and, and that it was a non-contest and that they were going to cruise to victory. Some were talking about putting fours and fives past them. Football can humble you, can't it? And, um, and I think we've seen that tonight, that arrogance that follows the England team around is is one of the big problems in my opinion as to why they, they they you know they are where they are and haven't won a tournament since 66 i mean not trying to stick the boot in but but that's a fact um let, let's uh, let's take it on to wales versus iran alavi's wrapped himself in the iranian flag i don't know if it's cuz he wants to show it off again or because he hasn't put the heating on the cost of living is mad so i don't really know uh, what the answer is to that but We'll do Iran in a minute. I'll let Alavi gloat. But we've got to do Wales first, Dan, because, you know, I thought that Rob Page got it horribly, horribly wrong uh, tactically. I think he got it wrong in the first half against the USA the other night. And he rectified it at halftime by bringing in Kiefer Moore. And then this time he thought, well, if I throw Kiefer Moore in there, that will fix everything and that will solve everything. 
and we should in theory be able to pick up where we left off in the second half um, against the US. But for me, and I made this point pre-game, you look at the midfield, if you think that Ethan Ampadu can hold that midfield by himself with Ramsey and Wilson either side of him, two of the most undisciplined central midfielders you could find, two players who like to get forward, like to make those runs, like to, to join in with the forward line, you're asking for trouble. It was a complete oversight of how good Iran can be, especially on the transition. And I just thought, I saw it really early in the game. I said, this is not working. And Rob Page just failed to address it. Gareth Bale, you know, he's a moments man and, you know, he scored a penalty the other day. Great, happy days. But he's a passenger nowadays. And so is Aaron Ramsey. So if you're going to play both of those players, you have to have the setup around them to be able to facilitate that. And Rob Page completely overlooked that. He picked the names today and he refused to change it because of the names until, what, 87 minutes when, when Ramsey came off. I think he's got a lot to answer for as to why Wales were so lacklustre today and, and never able at any point to get a real control or hold of the game. I'm not, I don't want to take anything away from Iran, Dan, but on paper, Wales are as good as them. So you have made, you've made both my points there in, in a way. I think when you mentioned Rob Page tactically, what Rob Page showed himself to be was a little bit of an immature manager and that's no disrespect to him. The tactical error Rob Page made was in the first game, and because of the tactical error in the first game, he has caused himself a lot of problems in this game because he was too scared not to start Kiefer Moore this game. And I was watching this game, and I'm saying against USA, you're going to control the game. You need Kiefer Moore to hold the ball up. This game today, you didn't need to hold the ball up, and Kiefer Moore is useless. Let, let's have it right. Kiefer, he scored a couple of goals against Tottenham the other month, and I was livid, absolutely livid, because he can't do much else apart from score a header from across and hold the ball up. Today, you didn't need that. But because of the way Kiefer Moore changed the game in the first game, it takes a big manager to then leave him out. Wales have been yeah. more effective trying to run him behind. Um, so that was one point. I think Wales thought they would win the game today before the game. Not, we believe we can win, we're good enough to beat anybody in our day, that sort of nonsense. I think they turned up in the dressing room and thought, we've got England on Tuesday night. And I don't, I don't feel that they pre prepared for this game um, too much before the tournament. And they obviously watched Iran play the other day and thought it'd be an easy day's work. That moment, that disallowed goal in the 20th minute, you could almost visibly see the fear on Wales from that point onwards. Like, these boys are, these boys are quite tidy up here. Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey, I'm afraid it's one or the other. You can't play both. I understand the nostalgia of playing Gareth Bale. And if I was the Wales manager, I'd probably play Gareth Bale because I think there's not enough decent players to warrant leaving him out and he can do something. But it's one or the other. You can't play Bale and Ramsey in attacking positions. If I was going to play both, for, I would probably look at playing Aaron Ramsey much, much deeper. You've got, like you got to change the system. You've you got to... If you play Ramsey and Bale... <coughs> I know he wasn't fit today, right? And it's probably why he didn't start. But then you've got to play Joe Allen with Ampadu in midfield so that he can sit alongside him and, and help him. Because there were times where the Iranians were, were breaking out and 
they were swarming all over Numbers, Ethan Ampadu. Yeah. And he couldn't, and it's not a slight on him, you know. It's I saw some, yeah. no, I saw some tweets that were really critical and really negative towards him. And I thought it reminded me actually of, of what used to happen at Arsenal pre Mikel Arteta. You used to put Granite Xhaka in that deep line midfield position, throw everybody forward, and on the transition, you'd expect this player who isn't a world beater in that role. To, to cover their entire width of the pitch and it just doesn't work. So if you take like Mesut Ozil when he was past his best, Gareth Bale today or whatever, you can afford one luxury player if the rest of the team is functioning. To have two luxury players is it, it's too many, especially when the back five of Wales is quite deep. Um, so there's a big space between the defence and what is now key for more. And then you've got four players in that space and two of them are largely immobile. It's big, big problems. Um, and Iran, as you say, when they attack, they attack well. I just think Wales underestimated the opposition. I think the World Cup occasion probably got the better of them. And I think they I think they believed they would win rather than developed a, a plan of, of how to win mm. the game. And I think that's what cost them. And it sounds really, really simple. But it, I, it didn't feel to me like they took this they took this opposition as seriously as they could have. And was it a think... combination of England absolutely thumping them and them having the last minute sort of winner or oh, sorry, not winner, excuse me, the last minute equalizer against. So those two together obviously give you a bit of arrogance going think... into a game. I don't think I did hear you both on Tuesday morning after the saying that you've got to assume everyone beats Iran in this group. So Yeah, yeah. Everyone yeah. did think it. Okay, so I thought we so. I, to, I, to, um, I told you Iran would win today, and I told you exactly how they'd win as well. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah you called it. We're we're allowed. To, we're not we're not professional no, no, football coaches that. preparing a team. No, I get that, but I just think what I'm saying is those two factors probably gave Wales a bit too much. I don't want to say arrogance. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Something about overconfidence going into that game and underestimated an opposition. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think, I think as I put it, you know, the boxing, the boxing analogy, the Mike Tyson one, everyone's got a plan until they get punched until in the face. Until they get punched in the face. Yeah, so... so that that disallowed goal for Iran, that attack, the speed of it, the pace of it, the number of players involved, from that point on, Wales looked scared to me watching the game. It looked like, shit, they're quite good. Now what do we do? And they couldn't recover. They, they never really seemed to recover from that. It, it took... This is what I was trying to tell you guys on Sunday when, you know, Iran have been in, this is their sixth World Cup, so they've been in, what, 78, 98, for the year that De Luca's Italy won it. And then the three last years, including this one. And every time Iran have a side that's very, um, very competitive, very strong, um, but they have, they don't, they're not great going forward. So they can defend, but then they lose position. They have a player in Sad Asman who's actually able to retain that possession and get counter attacks going. 
And I think that's why they were underestimated because they were looked at the team that can just defend and eventually you'll break them down. They can defend, but they will also knock you for six if they can on the attack. So I, I think it's a bit of both. I think it's Wales being poor, but I think it is also um, Iran being massively underestimated. Give us the uh, the Iranian perspective then, because uh, I can I can imagine yeah. what you were going through. I, I oh mate, <laughs> I was watching the game, and as I said to you off air before we went live, I said to you that when the game started out, I didn't actually really care who won. Like genuinely, I, I didn't care. I wasn't fussed. Thanks, if, mate. if if Iran had won, I'd have been happy for you. If Wales had won, I'd been I'd have been happy for for my colleague Scott, who's who's gone out there. And has been following the team around and, and is covering the team brilliantly for 90 minutes. So I would have been okay with it either way. But as the game progressed and as it went on and I saw Iran playing the way they were playing and really being bold and brave and taking the game to Wales, my mindset started to change. And, and by the end of it, when Iran found the back of the net, I was jumping up and down like an Iranian. So, you know... It, <laughs> well, you bit bare in my house for too many Persian teas and kebabs. <laughs> but um, no, they did deserve it. And... For me, like it was just obviously I don't support a club team, right? And football is my favourite team sport, and this is the pinnacle. And Iran aren't ever going to win the World Cup, right? So getting out of the groups, which we've never done, is essentially the the highest that sport can ever give me in terms of joy. So to say I was, I can't remember ever going that mad in my life. Uh, certainly not. Uh, well, I can't remember ever going that mad in my life over sport. It was just exhilarating. I, I spent the whole game just stood up in front of the TV, just shaking, ran down the street. I missed the second goal because I had obviously run down the street. Um, but I'll try and provide it a, a more tactical. And you guys have both known me since I was 11. So to say I'm an excitable character would be an understatement. Imagine what the peak of my sport then did to me. Um, it was it was unreal, which obviously is concerning health wise for Tuesday. But tactically, I don't just want to say it's it's um, it's Asmin, but someone who someone who scored like sixty two and one hundred and four for um, Zenit St Petersburg, and then has gone obviously to great things at Bayern Leverkusen. He is the difference. It's his link up play. He is able to actually. I think one of you. Te- I can't remember. One of you uh, messaged me um, beforehand or even during the game, and, and we've talked about it before, but it is his link-up play that's the difference. He is a, He's the difference between not just blocking and just getting rid of it and hoping for the best. He's the difference between those, counter, those counter-attacks and that attractive football, rather than just getting a goal from your, like, you know, a Greece 2004, no disrespect there, but a Greece 2004. Um, you know, the negatives are obviously Johan Bash is now He's on a he's on a yellow, um, so he'll miss the next game. The but he didn't start are, today, did he? No, so, but he adds. He's an option that hmm. I I like as as a player to come on because when teams are tired, he's someone that he's got a reputation that people know about. He didn't start today. It was a really stupid foul um, to get the yellow, and he's rightfully at the America game. But I'm praying on Asmund's injury because. You know, he he went off what three times, <laughs> um, yeah. and he just you know, he's 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 six foot one, six foot two. He's got it all. Um, so it's it's also whether the goalkeeper, um, um, Beravans is 
given the all clear because the you know, obviously the organizations have a return to play measure when it comes to um when it comes to concussion so it's whether because we are able to start a lot of those counterattacks that i'm saying because of his distribution and his throws whereas this time what you saw is we built it up or we built up we built it up and i was i'll be honest there were points and i was speaking to deluca um uh sporadically through the game there were points that would have taken a nil nil even up to 90 minutes or taken a nil nil because i was so worried about not winning a game that we were so in control of there was hitting the post twice there was a disallowed goal rightfully so there was a dubious penalty came i wouldn't give it as biased as i am the red card i don't uh, anyone says that wasn't a red card i don't understand so all these things going i thought if we then lose somehow i I just won't be able to take it now given what's happened tonight winning has actually made a difference because it now means going to tuesday and just not lose and obviously hope that um england don't uh, lose against Wales. So overall, like if nothing else, and they go out the next um, the next game to America, if nothing else, it was just great given what's going on. And, and, and I would never get into that sort of thing on this type of show. But given everything that's going on, just for those players and myself and my dad and whoever, just to have that moment, because it wasn't like a fight, you know, after five minutes and then they held out. We're talking the yeah. 99th. And I love how they do that. They, we're talking in 99. I mean, when that goal went in, it just, I will remember that for for years. That's the, yeah, what's that cried? But I think this, like, <laughs> the ceiling leaked and then it must have just gone onto my forehead and then just, like, sort of down. That's the, oh, it was, it was unreal. <laughs> but, you know, look, I, they were, they were appalling on Monday. They gave up. They played some really, really nice football. And anyone who doesn't say they didn't play some nice football, you know, we've seen like back heels in like their their own like their own box at times. Anyone who says they don't didn't play great football today is is just clearly biased and there's an agenda beyond football. So I'm really proud. Um and they've got some exciting they've got some exciting players. Um and we'll see what happens Tuesday. It's it's huge. You, you you're right to highlight Asmoon as well. I mean you know, I, but, but you've always liked him. To be fair to you, you've, yeah, that's not it's not the first time you've mentioned it. I think you might have done a comms or something. You mentioned, yeah, I did. A, I did a comms back. last season in the Champions League between Chelsea and Zenit St Petersburg, and and I thought he played really well that day. And I spoke to you about him after that. I said, and I still believe this. I, I think he's one of those forwards that isn't particularly clinical, but is somebody who has such clever movement and can string the play together that he makes the world of difference. Some of his runs are so smart. He knows where to go to to occupy defenders, to pull defenders with him and open up spaces for others. But he also knows kind of where to go for his own good and his own benefit as well. I would compare him to, in his peak... Messi. No, no, <laughs> come on. Uh, I would compare him to... Well, his to... nickname is the Iranian Messi. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's I the mean... best ever Iranian player I've seen. I would compare him to Roberto Firmino mm. in that he he brings other people into the game, probably isn't as clinical as some of the top, top elite strikers, but is somebody who brings the best out of everybody around him and is a real key but, part. But you make a key team. point, but he, the difference is, Harry, he is a player that you don't normally find in those sort of sides, but he changes the way 
that everyone around him plays because he is that good. He makes those players change their mentality of how they play. Do you see what I mean? Because he makes he makes the the, the Taramis play slightly different, the Yambash play slightly different, the Cheshmis play slightly different. He he alleviates what they they would normally be a bit more conservative. He brings out brings that out in them because he makes those one twos easier for them because he gets into those positions and yeah I mean look I wasn't planning on having a third kid but if I do yeah it will be Asmin Alavi <laughs> no, um, before... I won't glow it anymore and we'll see what happens Tuesday yeah see what see what happens on Tuesday exactly um just quickly before we sort of jump off your overall thoughts on the tournament so far guys and have any of your predictions since we sort of looked at it nearly a week ago now has anything changed um so far ddl yeah i mean the tournament has been disappointing so far um it's a few world cups ago the group stages were quite slow um for the last world cup particularly that seemed to change i thought the world cup in russia was was really exciting <clears throat> there's only been two or three games i really enjoyed um so far there's only been two or three individual team performances I've, that I've been that in, impressed with. So it's not been great, but there's not, you know, there's been, you know, normally after a week, there's a couple of really great goals, a couple of really great team performances, and you, you, you're quite excited. There's been a couple of shock results, but it's not been the best World Cup so far, in short. <clears throat> Predictions-wise, obviously, if you've tipped Argentina to win the thing and they've lost the first game, then that's possibly worth a review. I guess we'll see how they fare in the, in the next couple of games. Um, Huge loss for them on Saturday night. That's not a good start. Um, I mentioned Uruguay potentially as my dark horses. They were disappointing, but they, they obviously picked up a point against a tricky South Korea side. So again, the jury's still out on that one. I did mention Connor Gapko as you know a, an outsider to win a Golden Boot or do well. He's bagged a couple and played well. Um, you can play it back, Alavi, if you want. I think you. Have... No, it, sorry, sorry, Connie, that was me saying he would be the bright star of the tournament. But all right, I, I think I said we, it first. We, 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 we can play it back. Yeah, play it back. Um, you'll see who said it first. Yeah. And we said, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll play that back. Can I? Can I just say that after the goalie squad, which was a bloody bad, was a really oh, good goal, he was really he was goal. anonymous after that. Good I goal. More is eight. I think it's more that he's quite rated highly already. That. This is just going to exacerbate his. Obviously, obviously, Netherlands have played. Netherlands have played two games as well, and you know he was he was he was pretty impressive in the first in the first one. So he he looks quite bright, but uh, the, you know the tournament itself that the, the the crowds have been a bit flatter. It was only really the Brazil game that that was where the crowd was really effective. So I I, I kind of hope it brightens up in the knockout stages, and and I'm sure I'm sure it will. What I would say though is. World Cup group stages are normally quite dull overall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, what's yeah. happened is... And it's the kickoff times as well. The, yeah, the kickoff times are, are another thing. But if you think back to the Russia World Cup in 2018, actually the group stages were very exciting. They were. In terms yeah. of the number of goals. And maybe that's raised the bar a little bit. And now where it's, it's levelling out a bit. goals though, because it's like you said, we was having a chat off air before we started. And we said, there's... There are entertaining nil-nil draws mm. or intriguing nil-nil draws where it's a nil-nil draw because teams are tactically cancelling each other out. It's interesting as opposed to nil-nil because it's boring, dull and rubbish. So the Wales-Iran game, 
was one minute away from being nil nil. That would have been an exciting nil nil draw. You know, that was that was a decent nil nil draw. Okay, someone scored. It wasn't nil nil anymore. But I think it's been four. It's been four blanks in the tournament. I think five. Um, I think five now. Yeah. So five out of how many Uruguay, games have been? Uruguay, South Korea. We had two in a row. Didn't, we had two in a row. Denmark and Mexico, and then yeah, Morocco, Croatia. No, it was Denmark. Tunisia. Tunisia. No, no, as in those two games, the Denmark yeah, game yeah, and the Tunisia. Yeah. So, and then tonight's it's not so much game. The nil-nils. It's not so much the nil-nils per se. Yeah, five, Holland's, five, first, right. Holland's first game was three minutes away from being nil-nil. Yeah. It is more I could I've not seen many individual performances from players where I think Wow, he's lit up the World Cup. I want to see mm. him play next week. That team has been fantastic. I want to see them play again. I've not really got any of that. Um, I've also probably only seen on. one great goal, and you normally see a cut to a three by now as well. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. So it's not it's not been the greatest start at all. But to, I disagree, to... Dan, in terms of um, the World Cup. So I I was with you until yesterday, taking my Iran half. I was with you until yesterday. I then got a bit excited with the Portugal game and the Brazil game. I thought they were two top quality games to watch. And also, if you look at the fixtures going forward, tomorrow looks quite good. You, you got Portugal. Denmark. Portugal took a dramatic turn at half time, though, because the first half yeah. of that game was. I thought we yeah, were in for yeah. another one of those. Dumb yeah, no, you're right. But There's something happened, and Brazil were no, very, I agree. very good. And so but if you look at tomorrow, you've got France. You've got France, Denmark. You've yeah. got Spain, Germany at the weekend as well. And then the next, you know, Belgium, Morocco might not be a bad game. The next day, I think on Monday, you've got Uruguay playing Portugal. And then so on Tuesday, it's... you've got the biggest game of the tournament. So Hopefully, we've turned the corner, though. Hopefully, every team has had their first game, got that out of the way, and people will start to loosen up a little bit and we'll, we'll get a little bit more... Um... I don't even want entertainment, but I like to. I like something to wow me tactically, and I've not, mm. not had. I've not had a lot so far from this World Cup. And I, I know it's such a cliche, because... but I do think I'm feeling the exact winter, three o'clock and seven o'clock that kickoff times. I thought I would. That, that that does make a difference. I think it does as a watcher, maybe to your enthusiasm or whatever. Yeah, but it's also it's something about where the World Cups are played. I, I remember the South Korea, the World Cup in Korea and Japan being very very similar. The kickoff times are a bit odd. Um, you were getting some weird results, teams getting knocked out that shouldn't be, which isn't a problem, but it was more... Weird refereeing as well in that tournament. Yeah, the referees in this tournament haven't been fantastic. VAR hasn't been great, albeit it's made a couple of positive interventions. I'm not, I'm not going there again. We're no, 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 I did all right today. <laughs> yeah, it was... But what I would say is, do you think the crowd, that we're, what we're hearing about the crowd is actually, you know, represented of what's going out there? Because I had a couple of um, Persian friends and fam that actually went to the game today, and I don't know if it was because of what happened in the game, but they said the crowd was absolutely buzzing. So I don't so, know if that's because it's an hour and a half trip from it, you know. So I don't yeah. know. So I've got a few colleagues that are, are working out there at the moment, and and what they've told me is there have been some good atmospheres. Um, so Saudi Arabia, Argentina was a cracking atmosphere. Saudi Arabia have um, gone big with their support, haven't they? Yeah, because they Saudi Arabia and Argentina have sold the most tickets okay. at this tournament, and the the Saudis obviously made a short trip to Qatar, and they they've got a big load of support. Um, I was told that the Tunisian support was very good. The African sides have bought really good support as well. It's just a little bit dull on the European side, 
And there have been a few games where the atmosphere has been honestly non-existent. But then when Iran play, again, it's not a million miles away from Qatar. No, no not at all. Journey. Oh, you've got a lot of people in Dubai who go there and it's quite, yeah. you know. So I, I think well, that well, it's um, it's been a bit hit and miss. I think there's been yeah. some good ones, but it's been some very dull ones as well. But do you know what you've got to remember? Like, deep down, again, trying to play devil's advocate, Harry. I know it's like unfathomable for us because we're big football fans, but we only get this once every four years. I, I try and remember that in the back of my head that there's only so much. We've got to try and enjoy it because we only get it once every four years. For me, the Euros is not a big deal. We get it once every four years. What would going back to the predictions? It you know we get the Euros so, once every four years as well. No, no. What I mean is, I don't feel that we get the World Cup, which is the pinnacle once before. I don't feel that the Euros is any more exciting than the Champions League. So for me, it, the World Cup is the the big one. Well, back back to the predictions. I think obviously, you know, I called Brazil as the winners, and I'll back them. It looks as though I might have got Belgium as the dark horses a bit wrong. They didn't look great. I think it looks as though I've got Spain massively wrong as well because I know they weren't playing against the best side, but actually they looked they looked as they always do. Um, but it looks as though Germany and England and Argentina is like my three out the top betting six and not do quite as well has come to fruition so we'll see but again it's so early to it's so early to tell yeah for sure i mean for me this whole thing about the sort of the kickoff times the kickoff times don't bother me right now um yeah but you're in a minority yeah yeah i'm in a minority (laughs) because my job centers around it so if i'm gonna sit and watch a world cup game because i'm gonna cover it that's absolutely fine and i haven't got anybody on them on my case sort of telling me don't or or why aren't you doing your work or, or where the hell are you uh when you disappear offline for a while so obviously I, I understand that I'm in a different position to a lot of people in that sense but so on the one hand I look at World Cups and I think it's a great opportunity to be really social and to spend time with people and, and go and watch matches with people in different places different venues and that is something that is better in the summer clearly right because who yeah. wants to go and stand in a fan park or in an outdoor venue in this bloody weather nobody so i get that but by that same token when i think about what i'm normally doing at this time of year after work on a weeknight which is probably coming home having my dinner looking outside it's pitch black and deciding i can't be bothered to go or anywhere or do anything because the weather is so shit it's one of the bad things about living in england Right, the winters are, I think, dull. There's nothing to do. Okay, it's not like in Mediterranean countries, for example, where you'll come back from work, you'll see there's a bit of daylight, or the weather's pretty pleasant, and you'll go. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll go and have a coffee with my mates, or I'll go and have a drink with my mates. I don't really feel that here. So for me, actually, what am I replacing it with? I'd be sitting. But yeah, and I know this is really this is really pedantic, and I know the advantage is that it facilitates we're able to do a pod, but is really pedantic but there's some difference for me between it being seven and like 7 45 and eight and i know it sounds so minor but no i agree i don't know what it is psychologically it's like so i'm gonna go and watch for watch the game at my um obviously with my dad on on tuesday right and it's like you know we're gonna eat beforehand so uh, and etc and when when you then work back everything it's like (laughs) You know, it's it's all a bit of a squeeze after work, and yeah, agree it's with not. It, Champions League starts at seven forty-five for a reason. You know, Monday night football starts at eight o'clock for a reason. Like there is just something I don't know what it is. Maybe they move the Champions League. They move the Champions League to eight o'clock. 
Yeah, I really. Couple years ago, and now, and now you can't get. Sorry, is that now? Yeah, sorry. Of course, it is. Zombies. And, no, and, and maybe it's because we're of like Mediterranean background that we're used to everything being a bit late anyway. But there is that for me is just a bit. It, it's pedantic, but it's a bit of a deal breaker. No, it does make a difference. I'll tell you what it is for me. Why that's a, a thing for me. I quite like the idea of my kids going to bed, and then oh, I can massively. sit and watch the football in peace. Whereas now we're in that awkward space where. They go right. bed at like seven, half seven, right? So like the first half an hour of the the night game, there's a good chance that my house is in absolute chaos while they're being put to bed. Not that I do but it. But there's I'm also something psychologically about like sorting your dinner out, like getting it ready, having at eight o'clock, having a drink, whatever it might be. Seven is just like, it's just rushed. But it is rushed. I know what you're, I know what, yeah. Okay, um, just before uh, we sign off, <laughs> I want to share with you guys uh, a, a Twitter account that I absolutely love. I've been following this for years, right? I find it hilarious. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. It's called uh, USA Soccer Guy. Appreciation Society. No, that's that's our WhatsApp group. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this this Twitter account. It's yeah, called yeah, USA yeah. Soccer Guy. It is hilarious, right? And earlier today, they put out a tweet which basically what they do is they take like what you would perceive to be stereotypical American chat and put it into football, into our sport. And it just gets under people's skin, right? I find it hilarious. But today, in response to some of these tweets, pre the game tonight, by the way, some of the some of the, the replies I saw were mad. People genuinely getting triggered by this. And I think this guy deserves immense credit because this is highly entertaining. But he tweeted out earlier today, wake up and smell the soccer Britain, not England, Britain. Today, you guys get to go learn that USA stands for ultimate soccer awesomeness. And and that tweet had 24,000 likes, 2,900 replies, most of which are angry England fans having a go at this guy. And he's doing it purely for banter. It's literally nothing more. And everybody just goes mad about it. He's like, Look, defense, it ain't hurricane season in whatever country this is. As the soccer chicken athlete, soccer chicken being Spurs, kicks the soccer ball into the butt of Tim Ream. Like, it's literally just banter. Um, it's, it's comedy. It's a parody account. And people get so the triggered up, by it. It? it. makes me laugh. Oh, man. Are we going to go through on Tuesday? That that is the big question. If I'll put you two on the spot, because you said we wouldn't on Monday night. Um. Yeah, I think you so did. The, the permutations are get a draw, need a draw, and England have to not lose to Wales. Yeah, you, you're you're through. I'm going to back you through. to get. A, I'm going to back you to get a draw. <sighs> and the interesting thing is as well. I think you can even get a draw without Asmoon if he's not fit. No, see, I think that's the difference. No, I, I, I agree you, that it, it helps if he's fit. Different to me. But I think defensively, you've got enough about you based on what I saw I today. I'm, I, I'm a bit, bit disconcerted after seeing America today. I, I thought they were very, mm. very well organised and good. If you're sharing the funniest moment of a World Cup, I'll, share, I'll really quickly share mine. I, not too dissimilar to what happened to my front door. The... <laughs> Saudi Arabia celebration yeah. when he gets he takes his front door on. I don't know if you can like post it in the chat for people, like maybe after the show or something, but that for me is the standout clip I've seen from the World Cup. 
geezer gets so, the, the commentary is geezer goes so mad he takes his own front door off that for me is the second I've, best moment of the I've World Cup been there, after midday normally today after normally after the yeah thing. well yeah no i don't have a front door at the moment but no one filmed it um but yeah it, <laughs> it's just so funny brilliant stuff guys we're going to wrap it up we've been going for nice over one. an hour uh Jeez. thank you so much for tuning in make sure you leave a like on the video make sure you subscribe if you haven't done so already there was a quick there was a super chat somewhere that i i need to pick up um i can see rob palmer uh, is in the chat uh, alavi he says drop sacco <laughs> do you know what and he says, he, hold on, hold he's on. The one, he was the one telling me that America, because he obviously lives, he's the one telling me that mm. America aren't that great. So he also says he was playing for the US today, kept passing to them. About he's having a dig at you, mate. Yeah, yeah, of course he's having a dig at <laughs> Arsenal. But didn't Rob abandon England to go and live in America? <laughs> did, so, yeah. what, 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 so isn't he playing for the US as well? I think he went where he's happy for a draw today. So. <laughs> I'm sure he was. I'm sure he was. Uh, Rob, thank you for your super chat. No, he's, mate. A good um, he's a good lad. His super chat question was around the one love armband. Look, we've done that to death. Uh, we're not going to get into that now. Uh, we've done it to death. I mean, <laughs> we've said our bit on it. You know, I think that if you're going to make the protest, do it. You know, if you say you're going to do it, do it. Follow through with it. Obviously, they didn't. I don't know if anybody saw the the FA uh, head statement. Did anyone see his interview? Sorry, pre-game on ITV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's a load of nonsense. What were FIFA going to do? Listen, says, if you, you want to go, in, yeah, yeah. Well, no, goes, no, I just think. Oh if you, well, if, if you want, you know, unlimited punishment. He says that's what they told us. I think if you I, I, if you go into a country, he, you you respect their laws, you respect their culture, and you don't do anything to antagonise them. What I would say is I don't agree with FIFA changing the rules with 24 hours to go but if he felt that strongly about it he would have got a yellow card you, you know you saw the Iranian players risk their lives in the first game not not seeing the anthem so um if he didn't want to get a yellow card because he was so scared that's up to him but I thought it was a very late call from FIFA to yeah to it was it start was. issuing it's unfair but at the end of the day it's their country it's their laws their culture don't if you're not going to respect it don't go there that's all I'll say like anywhere, and I'm not just talking about the World Cup. I'm saying about anywhere. Like you just don't I respect if, it. Like you come to my if, house, or, you go, or yeah. like you you take your shoes off at the door because that is what we do in this house. Like maybe it's different in other people's house, but we take mm -hmm. our shoes off at the door. So, Alavi like, walks out of the house into other people's. Yeah, that is true. That is true. As well, but uh, yeah, but you respect the laws. Um, but yeah, thank you for the four point nine. We'll split it three ways, so that's three quid to me and a couple, <laughs> one each for you. I, th I think I think while while I say because four pound ninety nine has been donated, I will answer Rob Palmer privately because I do have Rob Palmer's contact details. But um, my view very simply is once the football tournament has started. Yes, that's the other thing as well. We said this I as well. Like, talk about football. I think yeah, and and I'm getting a bit annoyed. No, I agree, and I'm getting a bit annoyed at this stuff ongoing in advert, in the ad breaks and yeah, the half time. The and the was, the I know we've had a little bit about it, and we're careful, but that's enough. I now. know, like, yeah, I know people will say, well, if you're going to raise awareness about something, you need to carry on, and because yeah. that's the most powerful way of doing it. But my view is, ultimately, the World Cup is a football tournament, and that's where I would yeah. prefer. And if you felt that strongly, you put my energy. In. Like, if if those people on TV talk about it, felt that strongly they wouldn't be there in the first place. So, agree. You know. That's the there other thing. Is the problem is is that although I agree with the cause, 
I think the hypocrisy that has been shown by so many, it dilutes the efforts to try as in and the fix cause this of thing. just being fair and like yeah being fair to everyone being welcoming to everyone allowing everyone to come and i i just think that what you've got but you could argue got... that qatar there's a fairness on qatar's culture and etc that's not being respected and, 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 to- totally... and you're gonna go and antagonize that for deliberate and i and i totally agree with that as well i totally see both sides of this argument i think there are two sides to this argument and i think that at the end of the day I think everybody should be welcome. Everybody should be allowed to go. And I don't agree with people. Let's let's, let's say it as it is. I don't agree with gay people being persecuted there. But I also think that in terms of promoting it, we've got to be careful because that's against their religion. And and so you can't go to a stadium with a ticket in hand and a massive rainbow or flat and then be surprised when they turn you away. This is this is it. Look, I, as I said, I, do you I don't know what I mean? You can't. Yeah. <laughs> but you let can't, me just let me just wrap because... this bit up. Sorry, let me just wrap sorry. this up. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't. I don't think that gay people should be persecuted anywhere. No. Obviously, no, no, it's no. unfair and it's no. not right. Equally, I understand that the Qataris are coming at this from a religious perspective, and, and so to talk about to talk about inclusivity and dismiss their yeah. culture is wrong as well so it goes both ways and that's why this is such a complex issue what i what i feel about this is that yes there are issues and yes you should raise awareness and yes you should do whatever you can to to put change across for the better right but what you cannot do is award a place where these issues are a world cup ignore it for 12 years and then kick off about it once the football starts this should have been done. This should have been yeah. dealt with. This should be part of the bidding process when you go for a World Cup. Can I say one thing? I'm going to say one thing. Don't get Harry Sack. Yeah. No, 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 it's not. No, my, my, my views are very inclusive. At the end of the day, it's a World Cup. It's for everybody. Everyone should go to the stadium. Everyone should have a right to live the way they want to live. That's pretty obvious. I shouldn't have to say that. It goes without saying. What annoys me about the protest about the World Cup being there and then all this sort of stuff is it was about 12 to 15 years ago, England played a friendly against Brazil and they played it in Doha. That's it. Yeah. They went to Doha to play a friendly against Brazil. I remember Darren Bent was playing in it. I think he took a penalty and blamed it about 18 18 foot over the bar. And my question is, it's not these issues in Qatar haven't happened today. It's a good platform to protest, but actually the best way of protesting about something is not including yourself within it at all. And that is a big sacrifice to say to your players, we're not sending you to a World Cup. Um, And that's always going to be the issue. But Yeah, it's it's like Harry plays. It's like Harry says that you're stuck between a rock and a hard place, aren't you? Yeah, because, if I want to leave my shoes on in your house yeah. and I feel that strongly about it, then I, I want that then I won't come to your house. Exactly. I, that's what I'm trying to say. And, and, yeah. that, and that's that, yeah. So, <laughs> that's so it. you can't like, it goes both you can't ways. go to Doha for a friendly fifteen years ago. But it, it, it yeah, it's all very odd, and that's that's all I'll It's all like Bear saying I want to promote XYZ and Qatar saying, Yeah, but it's yeah. against my culture really so you're stuck between a rock and a hard place and yeah. you, so you, like, yeah, you, you, you can't win. You can't win, which is which is why it's not fair 
to to expect footballers to be the mouthpieces for this. I was listening yeah. to Talksport earlier today, right? And I know a lot of people don't like him, but Simon Jordan made a really, really good point. He He's said, very intelligent. Right? Yeah, he is. He, he said, in regards to the German team, you know, the German team put their hands over yeah, their mouths to yeah. suggest that they were silent. It helps if they won earlier, but yeah. Yeah, well, Simon Jordan said they weren't silenced because they could have worn the armband. So actually what they've done is, is made out that they were completely silenced. No, they weren't yeah. silenced. If they felt that strongly about it, they could have worn the armband and taken the yellow card that was to yeah. come with it, and that be that. And and what Simon Jordan said was that there's a lot of people that there are a lot of people that genuinely care about these causes, and and they're well <clears throat> within their rights to do that. And you know they campaign, and and it comes from the right place. And and I've got a lot of time for that. But there are a lot of people that are trying to put messages across because they feel that they have to, and actually won't go that extra mile to actually follow it through, see it through. Yeah. And and potentially yeah. they're using them. their they're using their platform as far as they believe, and it's not the place yeah. to do it because and it's think... going to deliberately be non-inclusive the other way. So you're Linking never going to win. Simon... You've got two inclusivities not matching. Linking this to Simon Jordan, there are some like Simon Jordan. If I said to Simon Jordan, I want you to argue this point, he could argue that point articulately and put a really good argument across. Yeah, yeah. and and I think. I think a lot of a lot of these protests are certain people putting arguments across in the best way they can. But when it comes to sporting sanctions, it's really hard to hold people. You know, ultimately, you've got to remember um, Harry Kane, Gareth Bale, whoever the Germany captain is, Manuel Neuer. Ultimately, those people are professional footballers. They may get to play two or three World Cups in their lifetime yeah. if they're lucky. Germany are going to play two competitive games this tournament and they're going to be out of the tournament. Yeah. Just a a big, just a... let, let me let me end it with Larissa's quote, okay? Because I think this is the most balanced quote. He didn't wear it and he said, from memory, when we are in France, we welcome people. We welcome foreigners from all. We often want them to follow our rules. We want them to respect our culture. And so when I go to the Qatar, I will do the same. I disagree with some of our ideas. I agree with others, but I will show them the respect. And therefore, he hasn't worn it. And I think that's the most balanced argument I've heard. Let me let me just Sorry, wrap this on, up because we said we were going to wrap up 16 minutes ago. We're <laughs> yeah. still going. Um, Lynn says they should respect that most countries accept gay people, and by having these different cultures coming, they should have compromised. Uh, Rob says, and this is a good point: if the 2018 World Cup was in the US fans from Qatar and, of course, various other countries would have been banned because there was a ban on people from Muslim countries entering the US. Well, so I can't go there. This yeah. Is, yeah, I can't go this there is, my passport, yeah. This is where, this goes back yeah, to what right. I said five minutes ago, the hypocrisy around all of it is what dilutes what's actually important. You could have all the valid points in the world, but people have been hypocrites, and so it's always a, a mudslinging contest, and therefore... We don't get anywhere with it. Like, as I said, I think that gay people should be able to go to football matches. And, and what, what I will say, not in defense of Qatar, because that's not that's not what I'm trying to do here. I'm not taking a side. I'm not getting into this too deeply. I didn't even want to chat about this. I don't know why, how we've ended up here. <laughs> you put a comment but, up. Yeah, I know. But you, to you say that I wasn't going to talk about it. It wasn't worth it. Take it back. Take it back. But, I'll give it back to him. <laughs> what I wanted to say was, it's it's a really difficult one here because of the fact that we're talking about inclusivity and we're talking about 
a culture that doesn't accept gays and and so where do you go you know wh- where do you go here because mm. you're either being disrespectful to the lgbtq community or you're being disrespectful, disrespectful to, qatar. to the qatari muslim community who yeah. don't believe in homosexuality it's it's such a it's such a mind i think rob's last point and, is really is really valid though I think that's a really good point to end on because as well, a, I'm, it just a shows, I'm a Christian yeah. who is who has an Iranian dual nationality, right? I'm a you know Christian Greek Orthodox, so it's Iranian dual nationality. I would not be allowed at the moment to go to the next World Cup in America. Yeah, that, so got, that's a really fair point. It's it's, it's got to be. It, it's basically this is a much bigger issue than football, and yeah, yeah. and and it's look we've been going back and forward for like twenty minutes on this. And that just shows the complexity of it. Well, it shows the complexity of the yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and so I think my final word that I'm going to say on this is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it literally is. That's, stop, stop jumping in. It's literally it. We're going. <laughs> <I'll mute. laughs> um, the, the, the final word I'm going to say is that I just don't think it's fair that football players who in some cases are 18, 19, 20 years old are being expected to carry responsibility around this issue if it, there are a lot of players out there right let's take mark marcus rashford okay marcus rashford decided that he disagreed with something politically and he took it on himself and he got a really good result off the back of it because he used this platform marcus rashford chose to do that nobody asked him or forced him to do that and i think there will be lots of players and athletes and high profile people who will feel strongly about it who will have the education around it and who can then willingly go on and use their platform to try and impact change. But to put everybody into a position where every press conference is about that, where when, when it's too late, man, this shit should have happened 12 years ago to be doing that now, I think is unfair on some of the players. And that's where I take an issue with the whole football being mixed with politics thing. You know, yes, football, is a big thing and a lot of people watch it and it has a a massive influence over the world but at the same time it is a sport and really is it all that important in comparison to to some of these issues that we're talking about no it's not so to try and mix the two things at times just gets messy um you know it it, it's it, it is what it is but as i say i don't want to see gay people persecuted anyway i think everybody should be able to live how they want to live that's absolutely fine at the same time, I think if we're going there with the intent of promoting it when they've, like, for example, the rainbow stuff, right? It's a symbol that obviously the Qataris find offensive. I think we're kind of, we're antagonizing them and we're not going to get them to change their religious and cultural beliefs just by doing that so yeah it's a tough one it's a tough one anyway right gonna leave it there i'll catch you all uh very very soon my thanks to alavi my thanks to the luca we'll be back very very soon with more enjoy your weekend uh if you are uh, planning on uh sitting and watching some football tomorrow and you're bored in between the world cup games the arsenal under 21s are taking on the luca's local boy swansea uh city uh in the premier league cup and i'll be on commentary on the arsenal website and app along with Nigel Winterburn. So come over and uh, and check that out. I'll catch you all soon. Until next time, goodbye. He says goodbye and doesn't have the outro ready to play. There it is. I'm Martin Tyler, 
and you're listening to Harry Simeon.